You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for everything hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter, and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Jason Selms, and this is episode 22, Sporting Shooters Associations of Australia's Executive Director of New South Wales, Diana Mellum. Welcome back again, guys. It's June 2012 podcast, episode 22, and uh, I've got Diana Mellum with me uh, from the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia, where she's the Executive Director. And I know there's been a lot of discontent and you know a bit of information floating around, and people seem to be unaware of exactly what the uh, Sporting Shooters of Association of Australia actually do for hunters and shooters in the community, um, politically, in the media, uh, with their large membership base, obviously have a large clout to you know, basically get information out there to the large media organisations. A lot of people have a lot of different ideas from some of the questions I've gotten off certain forums that I asked people that they wanted to answer, uh, or that, that, that questions that they actually wanted to ask. And so I actually put some of these questions to Diana and uh, got some interesting answers too. So I thought it was really good to get this information out to the listeners. And uh, don't forget the SSAA is putting on the SHOT Show. Uh, June 16th and 17th of this month. Uh, I'm going to be there myself, probably hanging around, you know, somewhere around the Deer Caping or the Game Council, double SAA or the uh, Shooters and Fishers Parties uh, stand there. So uh, look for me with the shirt on, with my little logo. Might be a bit hard to see, but uh, if you've seen my photo, no doubt uh, I'll be chatting to a lot of you over at the SHOT Show. And can't wait to speak to some of you as well, some of my listeners on the show. Uh, uh, another one that uh, probably got a bit of interest in the last week was the Nick Darcy and Kenrick Monk photo uh, of them in the, in the United States uh, posing with uh, firearms. Now, some of these media outlets seriously have poor, poor taste uh, in saying that some of these guns were the ones that used in Port Arthur. Uh, no, these none of those guns were used in Port Arthur. A semi-automatic rifle is not a pump or semi-auto shotgun or, or, or a handgun. So, I mean, honestly, shame on some of these media outlets. I can't believe this is even made made uh the media it's just yeah shame on them honestly but i'm not going to go into that but uh, uh great to see also too the shooters and fishers party last week announced national park hunting barry o'farrell finally drank the kool-aid to get his uh, sell-off of the electricity infrastructure and uh the we're going to be hunting in national parks by hopefully by the end of 2012 and there was some 70 odd national parks that we're going to be able to hunt in uh none obviously in the main sydney metropolitan areas but there will be some good land there to hunt on for you know uh hunters and shooters that have been probably with the game council for six years with no incident and hunters have been hunting in those state forests for that period of time with no incident at all so definitely definitely a positive but uh the main one that excited me was actually duck and quail hunting in new south wales uh introduced again uh as a new model hopefully by the end of 2012 and i'm very very keen because i love duck hunting and love bird hunting so i'm very keen to see how that's going to work and, and no doubt the uh coalition against duck shootings laurie levy probably would be be a bit upset by the uh, announcement of duck and quail in New South Wales. So um, definitely good stuff there. So obviously the SSAA have introduced the uh, Firearms Consultative Committee and there's a lot of people sitting on that board. So hopefully also too we get a lot out of that and there's going to be a lot more interesting and positive things that come out of uh, reform in New South Wales, especially to firearms ownership. Uh, to also too, you know, people say there's a gun culture in New South Wales. I saw a post on David Shoebridge that you know Australia is coming like America. There's a gun culture in New South Wales, you know, and I reckon that's a beautiful thing. And whether you say gun culture is a positive or negative, if that means hunters and shooters are out there enjoying their sport, that is a great thing. And if if 180,000 or so licensed members in New South Wales can get out there and just introduce one person to the sport and get one person to buy one firearm, that's another 180,000 people with one firearm, you know, enjoying their sport and hunting and shooting. So get out there and introduce as many people as you can to the sport. 
because uh, David Shoebridge seems to think that there's there's gun cache arsenals in New South Wales uh, with one person owning like 329 firearms. But, you know, that person obviously just loves their sport and loves either hunting or shooting or could be a collector. So get out there and I say the more firearms in licensed law abiding people's hands, the better off we're going to be. So, you know, I think that's also a positive. The ammo bill's also gone through, the uh, went through the upper house, then I think the legislative, legislative assembly, then the lower house so there's not much we're going to be able to do with that but it's good that we got some uh, positive results this week with the national parks and hopefully duck and quail seas in new south wales the two rob uh, robert borzak and robert brown did a great job with that so and hopefully we get some more common sense reform in new south wales from the shooters and fishers party and hopefully i'll get to meet the uh, robs uh, on this weekend at the double uh, sw shot show june 16 and 17th so fantastic uh, don't forget you can visit my website aussieferralcontrol.com.au that's my uh, business website but uh please jump on the facebook page guys come on i love the facebook page love seeing photos love talking to you guys love hearing your opinions please jump on the facebook page uh twitter ah podcast follow us on twitter get to it right now get your smartphones out follow us on twitter but the main place to find the podcast is either on the TalkShoe network or if you type in australian hunting podcast on google or come up in itunes you can download it to your iphone your ipad uh, you can download it to your tape player. Who cares? Just download it, listen to it at work, listen to it at home, listen to it wherever you choose. So long as you listen to it, it's always thoroughly appreciated. Uh, just to finish up before I get into the interview with uh, Executive Director of SSAA, Diana Mellum, I wanted to say I've got some positive and negative uh, feedback from uh, the Coalition Against Duck Shooting interview with Laurie Levy. Now, a lot of people that give me the criticism didn't even bother to listen to the full podcast and say, oh, Laurie had wiped the floor with me and all this type of stuff, which I think is totally, totally out of question. Uh, the, the point about the whole time was to get Laurie on the show and to get as much information out of Laurie as possible and give him an avenue to speak. That way he can be quoted in future media releases about what you know, what he said on that podcast. And I was always going to interview either Rod Drew or the like from Field and Game after that to debunk a lot of theories that Laurie actually brought up on my show. So, you know, that was always the plan all along. So listen to it. And the more you listen to that, if you listen to that podcast two or three times like I have, I've picked up about 20 or 30 things that, are going to be debunked and talked about on another podcast. And uh, once you know and you've listened to it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and everything will make sense, that's for sure. So um, listen to it again and uh, also listen out for the podcast that's going to be coming up in the near future uh, with either Field and Game or one of those guys uh, from one of those industries that can um, give, you know, debunk a lot of those theories. So um, I guess in saying that, that's pretty much about it. Just want to say I appreciate all my listeners listening to the show. Last week, we got easily over 1,500 listeners for the Coalition Against Duck Shootings podcast. So I'm really looking forward to what it's going to bring in the next half of the year for the end of 2012. A lot of stuff coming up. We've got Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain, uh, the YouTube hunting and fishing TV show in Britain. We've got Nosler's Huntcast, the outdoor shows, Joe Duckworth. Plenty of stuff coming up. Looking forward to the London Olympic Games. So I guess enough talk. And without further ado, let's get into my interview with SSAA's Executive Director of New South Wales, Diana Mellum. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp from CZ USA. And for you blokes down there in Australia, it would be CZ USA. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Dino Mellum, uh, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Pleasure to have uh, have you on my show representing the Sporters Shooting Association of Australia, New South Wales. Thanks for the opportunity, Jason. No worries at all. Okay, so I guess uh, for people that may not know, what's your role within the SSAA uh, and how long have you personally been working for the organisation? Sure. Um, my title is Executive Director of SSAA New South Wales and I've been with SSAA for two years. Um, we've got a team here of seven people. Um, we've got Rob, Kim, Tim, Mitch, Jeanette and Justine. Um, everyone's here to help our members. Fantastic. All right, so I guess did you personally uh, grow up with either hunting and or shooting? And if so, you know, what's your preferences in the firearm industry disciplines? Are you, are you currently involved yourself, not only with the SSAA, but in shooting itself? 
Uh, yes, I am. I was introduced to shooting when I was a young teenager by my dad. Um, I was a hunter back when I was a teenager. We used to go to a property out past Burke, um, mainly to hunt feral pigs. First rifle I, I ever owned or my dad ever bought for me was a Winchester 94-30-30, which cost him a carton of VB at the local park at Ford's Bridge. Um, the past few years I've been probably more involved in the target shooting side of it. Um, I've been doing cowboy metallic silhouette and most recently, in, since joining SSAA, that's opened up a whole new world. So now I do single action, I have a handgun licence and I'm also involved in clay target shooting. Oh, wow. No, it's always good. I always say it's good to get more uh, women enjoying the sport. And, yeah, if your first one was a 30-30, nice. Uh, you didn't sort of muck around with the calibre there, that's for sure. No, and I've still got it to this day. Oh, nice, nice. So I guess for speaking about people that you know, in Australia that may not know a lot about the SSAA, what's its current, say, membership base, especially in its New South Wales branches across the state? Okay, within New South Wales, we've got just under 43,000 members. Nationally, SSAA has around about 140,000 members. And I guess to put it into context, New South Wales is the second biggest state. Um, we're not that far behind Queensland. They have about 46,000 members. Okay, yeah. And obviously there's future plans for expansion for that or...? Oh, well, I guess um, we're always working on increasing our membership numbers. I mean, we uh, shooting is the fastest growing sport, so we are putting in initiatives um, to try and get more people involved in the sport. It, I mean, it is, we're trying to sell it. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, safe, um, unique sport, um, which is available to people of all ages. Um, and it's also a, a really great family sport. I mean, as I said, in my case, it was my dad that got me into shooting. But there are, we have a lot of families where it's mum, dad and the kids that you know, all, rather than go bowling on a Friday night, they might go off to the range. Um, so it, it's a fantastic sport. Uh, it absolutely is. So I guess what is, you know, uh, the future plans for the SSAA with either expansion of its branches, say, or in the hunting and shooting community just in general? What we, we try and offer support to all um, the different facets of hunting. Um, we've got 48 branches here within New South Wales um, with 104 affiliated clubs. Um, our, our members here in SSAA New South Wales are actually the branches and so our role is to provide resources and support so that the branches can then in turn um, to provide services to all the individual members. Um, we provide that support to our branches through finance, as well as admin support. Okay, yeah, no, fantastic. So we've got the uh, SSAA SHOT Show coming up, if I'm correct, on the 16th and 17th of June 2012. So I guess what can we you know, expect from uh, this year's SHOT Show? What number will it be? Like how many have we had so far since it's been running? And can we expect some you know, whiz-bang exhibitions? And what can we expect from uh, that weekend? Look, um, we're planning the biggest show ever. We're, we're actually really excited about it here in the office. Um, it's being hosted by New South Wales. It, it, alternate years um, between Victoria and ourselves, we, we get a turn at hosting it. Um, as I said, we're planning the biggest show ever with over 220 booths. Um, that's an increase of close to 50 booths on what we had in 2010. We're expecting uh, about 90 individual exhibitors from all over Australia. We've even got international guests from New Zealand, South Africa, as far away as Japan. Uh, this year we've increased the entertainment. We've got a stage area where there'll be demonstrations and presentations. We've also partnered with the Game Council and we're going to provide butchering and caping demonstrations. Visitors can come along and they can sit their fake handling course. They can also uh, sit the Game Council R licence test and we've also partnered with Firearms Registry and they'll be providing uh, seminars on licensing, acquiring firearms and also safe storage of firearms for people that are new to our sport. Absolutely. Sounds like it's going to be a, a great day for everyone. Families, kids, uh, everyone. Sounds like it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Yeah, well, we're definitely encouraging family, if families to come along. I mean... As we all know, the future of our sport is juniors, and um, it seems that we've got an ageing demographic, but we're really, we're really working on trying to get the juniors into our sport. Uh, some of the things that we've done 
particularly on the junior side, we've got our junior subsidies where we provide financial assistance to our junior members that have to travel to compete in state and national titles. We've also done a, a very big revamp of our junior development program, um, which is run at the St Mary's Indoor Shooting Centre now. It's like an alternative to Saturday morning sport. And at the moment, our training coordinator, Mitch, is working on um, streamlining that program so that we can offer it out in our branches. Um, with the aim being, the more juniors, um, you know, the I guess the, the longevity of our sport depends on us getting junior members in. And the other really important thing is it is an Olympic sport. So we need people with the skills and the training that can, you know, go on representing Australia in the sport. Absolutely. So I guess... Um there's been uh, some arrangements that were approved uh, recently. I think it was Terry Hills. That was one of them, I think. But is there any other new proposed uh, to be built uh, ranges at all in uh, anywhere in Sydney, whether indoor or outdoor? I guess problem problem in the Sydney Basin is finding suitable land because you need, as, as you would understand and all the shooters would understand, you need a fair amount of land. Um, we are currently in negotiations with federal government for a new range site um, so that we can try and help meet the demand of our members in Sydney. Absolutely. Okay, then. So I, I guess my next question gets into uh, obviously speaking and getting you know information from other shooters, especially in regards to different ranges. You know, from southern New South Wales to northern New South Wales, about uh, either you know the different pricing, say for members at certain clubs. Are ranges privately run under the banner of SSAA? And if so, how can you know they possibly get not only uniform, I guess, membership and pricing, but say uniform rules statewide? Well, all the ranges are managed uh, independently and pricing and policies are up to the, the managers of the ranges. Um, ranges are also dependent upon their individual range approvals and that, that's, they're granted by New South Wales Firearms Registry and those range approvals basically determine the calibres and events that can be shot um, at those individual ranges. Okay, so yeah, that probably actually does get into my next one. As we said, I know there's been a lot of unrest, especially uh, in regards to certain ranges about uh, scrapping the you know the high caliber rifles on certain ranges in New South Wales. Now, is it purely just either the police commissioner and or the re a registry directive, or is it you know as you said, if they're running under their privately, they're running under the banner of SSAA. Is it up to the range if they choose that person that either runs the range, chooses not to have those calibres on those ranges? Because there seems to be a lot of unrest, especially at certain ranges, you know, in the, in the Sydney Basin as well. And I know a lot of um, my listeners expressed, you know, very deep concern about further uh, calibre higher calibre restrictions at those particular ranges and, and, and are unsure as to why that is happening. I think you probably you probably um, hit the nail on the head. It's it's twofold. Um, as I said before, the ranges are indiv uh, independently managed, um, so each range would have their own policy. However, the overriding factor would be um, what New South Wales Firearms Registry has approved that range to shoot. So you know um, some ranges because of I guess their location, their structure, you know, whatever, whatever the different factors may be, may have a more limited uh, list of calibres that they can shoot than, than other ones. Okay, right, okay. So but if, if the person that's, say, a private, not I say private, but to say they're probably running that range, if they choose not to have that calibre, that's pretty much the, the SSAA won't step in in regards to that, or...? Well, I mean... <laughs> It's very difficult for us to step into privately owned ranges because, you know, I mean, it's it's it'd be akin to us stepping into any other business and say, look, hey, you know, we think you should do this. Of course, we we um we advocate we we advocate to provide um I guess facilities so that our members, no matter what caliber, no, no matter what discipline they shoot, that they have got the facilities um, to enable them to do that. Um, however, as I said, it's really difficult to to try and direct privately owned ranges. That's true. I guess I guess because I got a few emails last week about obviously my pending interview with yourself and people were one of the main ones was you know the caliber, but also on certain ranges too. Another another concern which was brought up with me last week was also uh, muzzle brakes and people getting a bit. Uh, 
uh, offended by muzzle brakes and the the obviously you know the especially if you're sitting behind the firearm as you'd know it wouldn't be a big issue but then there's benches next to the people that are you know basically feeling that you know that that issue from that brake and and at certain ranges obviously I'm not going to mention you know which ones you no know, doubt you know there's been you know you might be aware of some of them where people are saying well if you've got a brake you're not basically you're not welcome at the range so I wanted to you know clear that up for my listeners and and you know a lot of people are a bit upset because they're saying well you know it's a firearm obviously you know it makes noise you know a lot of my listeners say well you know the government won't give us you know sound moderators etc so you know obviously if you're in the firearms industry and you're shooting firearms you know obviously you know they go boom and they make noise they're not exactly a quiet a quiet sporting thing to uh do so i just wanted to get your opinion on that that was all well i guess um as I said, you know, because they're independently managed, it is up to the management structure of those ranges to decide what they will and what they won't accept. Here at St Mary's, um, what we try and do, because we have people shooting all different sorts of calibres and people shooting muzzle brakes, I mean, we're fortunate enough to have four different ranges. So what, where possible, what we do is um, you know, the people shooting the smaller calibers, the rimfire, we try and direct them into, you know, a certain range and then we have another range available for the, the larger, more noisier calibers, muzzle brakes, etc. But that, I guess, is an internal management um, uh, decision that, that we take and that we try and, you know, we try and cater to them, the shooters here at the range in that way. Yeah, I just think it was more, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard enough at this stage in the firearms industry with what's going on at the moment, you know, Western Sydney and just just general firearms legislation. I think people get a bit, you know, miffed, you might say, when, you know, people from the firearms industry, like that, that people they think actually support them are making up, you know, their, you know, not say their own rules or anything. Obviously, it's their own business. They choose and they make the rules. Well, you know, it's up to the member to decide where, where they choose to put their membership, you know, pricing next year. But I guess they, they feel a bit miffed, I think, from what I'm getting from my listeners that they that they feel a bit, you know, I guess I wouldn't say betrayed, but by, by people in the industry that really are supposed to be there to, you know, really support and push forward the sport instead of, you know, really upsetting the members and then also, I mean, you know, in the firearms industry. So it's, you know, it's a bit of a touch and go if you, if you sort of get what I'm getting at, so... Yeah, look, I do. I mean, all I could do is suggest that those members um, perhaps, you know, raise the issue with the range managers at the range that they attend and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe the range can adopt some sort of a policy where they have, you know, a, a certain area or a certain time or whatever for those larger calibres so that they can meet the meet the demand of, of all, all the shooters. Yep, no, that's that's fantastic. So, okay, what, I'd like to ask what the either yourself or on behalf of the of the SSAA feel about, say, the current licensing system in Australia, especially in regards to, uh, I mean, uh, obviously licensed classes, obviously the A, B, C, D, and H, etc., and uh, having you know having to have a genuine reason to to own a firearm. Uh, and yeah, you know, and, and those firearms that are covered um, under those classes, obviously, I mean, I get emails every single week about people, you know, pushing um, in regards to like, you know, Bob Catter from Queensland introducing, you know, uh, rimfire semi-automatics and sporting semi-automatic shotguns back under a Category B. So I guess what's the the double S double A's feeling on that? Are they pushing for anything like that? Is that on the cards? Is that not even in the works at all? What, what do they think about the whole licensing system and where can it sort of be improved? Yeah. Well, I guess um, we we have to work with the current laws that we've got in place. Doesn't mean we necessarily agree with them all. Um, what we do is we try and address the issues surrounding unnecessary or ineffective laws. Um, and I guess we've also got um, the Shooters and Fishers Party that are a political voice for shooters. And I know that they are very active in, in addressing um, some of the issues that you have raised. Um, I guess on SSSAA New South Wales front, an example um, of a call to action, I suppose, was the, the most recent ammo bill, um, which I'm sure um, you and all the listeners are aware of. Was that going to be your next question? It is going to be my next question. Well, 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 we'll hit it while we're here anyway. But uh, uh, did, yeah, so what did the SSSAA, you know, they actively get involved, say, with the, uh, you know, did they get actively involved, I should say, with the O'Farrell government and when they announced the ammunition bill? And if so, what action did they take and how did they lobby on behalf of the uh, SSSAA members? Mm, look, absolutely. Um, we issued a media release within hours of the Premier's announcement. Um, we've 
used our social media avenues, Twitter, Facebook and our website um, to get the message out there. Uh, we spoke to numerous media outlets um, and, as I said, undertook a call to action for our members. Um, the President, Paul McNabb and I, we met with the Police Minister um, shortly after the announcement and in the following months numerous politicians um, requesting that they review the bill explaining that SSAA New South Wales is 120% behind the government's aim to rid um, illegal gun crime uh, and get um, illegal gun crime out of the, the community but what they were proposing was just not going to do it. All it was doing was further restricting those shooters that already abide by by the laws and restrictions that um, that are currently imposed upon us. Um, we also recently, in conjunction with the Shooters and Fishers Party, we had a regional advertising campaign, which again called on um, our members or, or shooters in general to go and express their dissatisfaction um, to their local MPs. The response from our members throughout this whole whole um, campaign was absolutely phenomenal um, and also from other shooting bodies and it definitely did make the politicians sit back and take note. Um, unfortunately, we did lose the battle um, but a, a, a big positive was the reintroduction of the Firearms Consultative Committee. Yeah, no, we'll get into that. So do you believe, I mean, in regards to that ammunitions bill, do you believe it will solve any... Uh, drive-by gang-related crime in New South Wales, especially in Western Sydney and, and South Western Sydney? Absolutely not. And even when they were debating um, the bill in Parliament, um, Barry O'Farrell's own MPs, even Dave, David Shoebridge, the Green MP, they're on record saying that this bill won't address the issue of illegal gun crime and it will not stop a single drive-by shooting in Western Sydney. I mean, we all as shooters know that... Um, that criminals just by their nature they get their firearms and their ammunition from illegal sources they're not going to rock up to a gun shop show their license and buy their firearm and their ammunition um, so it's it's just not going to work and I mean as I said in Parliament so many of the politicians that were speaking even against the bill acknowledged the fact that it's just not going to work. Absolutely and what, what's stopping I mean the, the idea was that if I don't have say a calibre uh, in a certain brand. So I borrow that firearm off a friend and I can't purchase ammunition. So he purchased the ammunition for me. Isn't that defeating the whole, one, the whole idea of the whole bill? Uh, and number two, what is honestly, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, this is not a recommendation for anyone to do this, but what's stopping me from walking into a gun shop? I go, yeah, I own a 12 gauge for clay target. I say, hello, give me a thousand rounds of BB. I want to go hunting. And then I walk around the corner next door and sell it to an illegal person. What's, that, 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 that's the whole reason why this thing can never work. It's just, it's just, it's absurd to even think it could work. What are they, are they putting anything in place to stop these things? Or obviously they can't. No, I think it was, we believe it was a knee-jerk reaction by the Premier to, I guess, address community concerns um, from the drive-by shootings that were happening in Western Sydney. Um, in our discussions with the Police Minister and with some of the politicians, the belief is that um, by recording um, ammunition purchases, that will help them uh, tra like with traceability. But unless they've got the firearm, um, they're not, there's no um, uh, what scientific way that they can, um, I guess, trace back a firearm that was used. If, if there's a shell casing left at a, at a crime scene, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition purchased just here at St Mary's in a year. So if, if there's three or four shell casings left at a crime scene, how are they going to be able to trace that back to, the, one, the person that bought the ammunition, and two, the firearm that was used. So, and, and that is one of the reasonings that Paul and I were told for the introduction of this bill. Um, the other one, I mean, what we did point out to a lot of the politicians, and what we found was that they're not really aware of the current laws that we, that currently govern our sport. Um, in a lot of the interviews, I pulled out my firearms license and I explained what we had to go through to get a firearms license. Um, the, re, the permit to acquire system that we need when we want to buy a firearm, the safe storage restrictions um, or conditions that we currently have to abide by to store our firearms, and the fact that 
you already um, have categories registered on your license, so that in some way does limit the ammunition that you can purchase. And, and I guess, as I said, the surprising thing that we found was a lot of these politicians didn't even understand that that was what we already had to do. Yeah, exactly. I just wonder how, I mean, they're going to monitor, you know, how many rounds I've shot, where I shot them, and over what period I shot them. It just sort of, you know, really mind-boggling. It does seem like a knee-jerk reaction to... To, to the to the to the gun crime in New South Wales. I mean, and the Greens, David Shoebridge. I'm often uh, posting on his Facebook page and keeping trying to keep him honest. But uh, you know, he says they're not being. You know, I mean, a fact of life is firearms will be stolen by licensed owners. But in saying that, I mean, they always said like the Coalition for uh, Gun Control. Um, you know, those those types of groups will say, oh, they're they're all being stolen from licensed uh, owners. Yet uh, a month after they were saying stuff like that. 220 handguns were illegally imported into Australia through Australia Post, plus a number of issues after that where more guns were found being imported into the country. I mean, even as close as us here in Western Sydney, a retailer at Park Lee Markets was caught selling, I think if I'm correct, I will check my sources, but about 40 uh, air pistols. So, I mean, and some of these firearms that they're finding were never allowed to be sold in this country. So um, the Greens will create this media scare campaign to the general public, but yet without any real facts. Well, that's exactly right. And I mean, the Institute of Criminology, their uh, recent report um, has shown a 50% fall, fall in stolen firearms in the past 10 years. So I guess the claims that um, uh, theft of firearms is increasing, I mean, it's been shown by those statistics put together by the Institute of Criminology. So that's simply not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I agree with that because, I mean, a lot of people... Um, are getting into the sport now. There's a lot more licenses than there used to be. There's a lot more firearms in circulation for um, private ownership. So it's a good thing. But getting into my next question, how did the double SAA, we had a, 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 well, what we see to be at this stage a, a fairly decent win with the proposed new changes from the Shooters and Fishers Party? I've interviewed uh, Robert Borzak a number of times on my show and uh, uh, getting some hunting and recreational hunting uh, for conservation to help out uh, feral pest control in national parks. So what does the SSAA or yourself think about that? Look, we think it's a great move. and we, Look, we totally support all conservation hunting initiatives and the use of volunteer trained responsible hunters just makes sense to address, address the issue of feral animals. Ah, it does, it does. I, when, he, when he came out with it, I was really impressed, I thought, especially after the ammunitions bill, I thought, you know, I, in my opinion, Barry O'Farrell had a real lack of distaste and disrespect for the, either, the, either the party or the, con, you know, the constituents and, and firearms owners that possibly may have voted uh, for Barry O'Farrell. But uh, no, I think it's a, it's a great thing and that hope that opens up more land and, and has a similar model to the, the ga uh, game council with the state forest at the moment, which I'm a member of. Um, hopefully they get some great results there. Well, I mean, the, the game, it's my understanding as well that it's going to be managed by the Game Council in the same way that they manage the conservation hunting activities in state forests. And that's, over the past few years, that has proven to be very successful in reducing the population of feral animals in state forests. So as I said earlier, it only makes sense to extend that into national parks. Yep, no, I totally agree 100%. So speaking before, you said the, the police minister, Michael Gallagher, announced the Firearms Conservative Committee. Can you tell the listeners what the idea is behind the committee and how it will positively represent hunters and shooters in New South Wales? But namely, uh, you know, I guess, you know, getting down to the real nitty-gritty stuff, you know, uh, are we going to be putting things forward and it's just this is just a, a front for... You know, uh, to pretend they're going to be listening to hunters and shooters and the, the industry people that are going to be involved with that, or are they really going to be taking note and looking for positive changes? Because I've heard, I've heard Michael Gallagher several times. I've I watched a couple of the, uh, on the uh, Legislative Assembly website. I've watched them talk online, you know, in person when they've got the video going. And he, he seems to, you know, uh, from, in, in some respects, support, you know, the shooting, uh, like shooters and hunters in Australia. Yet, you know, often the Greens are trying to, you know, um, you know, he, He's often dismissed some of the Greens' aspects from what I've been watching. So, yeah, tell us a bit about the uh, Conservative Committee and how it's going to work or possibly work. Well, we, WSLA New South Wales, throughout our meetings with the police minister and all the politicians, we were pushing, pushing for this because they do have it in other states. And we also portrayed it from, uh, I guess, from the viewpoint that had this 
already been in place when they wanted to talk about the ammo bill, they could have got a lot of input from the people involved within the industry and they probably would have come up with maybe something that was that was going to actually address the problem of illegal gun crime um, and also that would get support rather than, you know, avid um, uh, people being against what they're, what they're trying to do. But I guess to explain a bit about the Firearms Consultative Committee, uh, AAFI New South Wales has a seat on the committee and I'm the representative. We have had already had a, an initial meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's it, it's a, a committee of a number of different hunting and shooting bodies. There's also a representative from New South Wales Farmers, Firearms Registry and New South Wales Police as well as Government and the Shooters and Fishers Party. It's a chance for all of us to talk about talk to the government about the issues that are affecting our sport and our industry. Um, I guess a really important role is that where we have the opportunity through the committee to advise and recommend um, changes, amendments um, on regulations and the current laws. So. It's early stages yet, but I believe um, that this is a fantastic opportunity for us to have a say um, and try and avoid the knee-jerk reaction that we had with the ammo bill. And I guess we've, we've got to let it let it play out and see how it goes. Um, yes. Will, I guess will that also it. help with, like, I know, I mean, it, uh, when I heard Michael Gallagher talk, sometimes he seems to speak a lot of, you know, sense in some areas, yet when I hear the Commissioner Scipioni talk, often it's, you know, we need to, more laws, more firearms amendments. Um, you know, he's all for that. So is would this help in, you know, stopping a lot of that, as you said, knee-jerk reaction? Because it seems to be a disconnect that I can see. I don't know if it's actually I'm not there working with them day in and day out, but between, you know, the police minister and the police commissioner, because the commissioner is obviously always going to be pushing for tougher firearms laws, but yet these laws only affect licensed law-abiding shooters that, you know, on most accounts would be doing the right thing. Well, I guess it's going to give us the opportunity um, to educate the MPs and the government uh, um, about our, our industry and exactly what we already have to abide by. As I said earlier in the conversation that we had, um, Paul and I were quite surprised at how little some of the politicians do know about the laws and regulations that currently govern our sport. So hopefully through the through this uh, consultative committee, we can um, yeah we can spend that time educating them and working together with them to sensible solutions to illegal gun crime. Exactly, that no, sounds fantastic. So obviously with the amount of things that are going on recently for the you know negative criminal stuff in the media, will the double or do they? Sorry, I should say, be getting will they be getting proactively involved in any media or PR campaigns to counter like this anti propaganda against hunting and shooting and making it at least somewhat more, you know, uh, not say appealing to the general public, but much more accepted by the general public? Look, most definitely. Um, look, part of our strategic plan is to promote our profile within the community as a safe, fun sport. We've recognised we're not going to convert everybody over to becoming a shooter, but what our aim is, just as you said, make it more acceptable. So it's no different to go and having a game of golf or a game of footy when you say, look, I'm off to go and have a, you know, off to go and have a shot at the range or participate in, in some competition somewhere. Just so that people, to take away that, that um, and it's, it's that fear um, of, of firearms as a sport and the community members that are unaware of, of exactly how safe we are, how, how, um, important safety is to our sport and how highly regulated we are. And I, and I guess the way, the way that we're doing that, um, we, we are getting more involved in social media. Um, we were the New South Wales, WSOA New South Wales was the first to set up sites even before the national body. And also earlier in our conversation I alluded to our demographic being, being older at the moment and, and us trying to get a lot more of the younger um, the younger generation into our sport and we believe that social media is definitely the way to go to get those younger people in. We also, we're building our reputation as a good source of factual information on shooting and hunting so we want people in the media to come to us 
if they've got a question or if they need clarification on something so that we can get our side of the story across. Now, in the past 12 months, our media and communications person here at WSWA New South Wales, Tim, he's been doing an incredible job. Um, and we're now, particularly with some of the issues with the ammo bill, um, the opening up of national parks, um, there's a, uh, a few other issues. We're now getting calls from um, major media outlets asking for comment. Um, and and that, that's great because now we're getting the chance to be on the front foot um, and getting getting the good message out about our sport rather than, you know, back in the past for too long, we were always on the back foot sort of defending our right to, to participate in our sport. Um, so, yeah, the, the tide is shifting and we're really working hard on making that happen. Absolutely. I think, you know, probably even five to... 10 say years ago it was a lot difficult you know when things were going through often the government could just push things through and try and keep it hush hush but now with all the you know people on their smartphones and their facebooks and their this or that on their social media networks i mean it's very uh that's why there was such a good i think especially from some of the forums i've been on i've seen uh tim posting on as well um it's harder to get these things through now and people are much more aware of what's going on and if if you know the government, you know basically in a nutshell tries to you know screw the hunters and shooters of New South Wales, well you know and around Australia, I mean they're not going to be able to hide anything. They're not going to be able to hide anything, and people are getting out there. Like I've spoken to a number of people that have called local members, the minister sending Barry O'Farrell to his e emails expressing their discontent. I mean they can't get away with some of the things they used to. Be. I think you're right. I think the social media. Although it has some bad aspects to it, definitely has some good aspects to it of, you know, keeping everyone honest. When, you know, as soon as someone knows about something, it's going to be on one of these social networks and people aren't going to be able to get away with what they used to get away with. Mm, no. Well, that's right. And I guess a really good example was the ammo bill and, and the reaction that the politicians got from all of the people involved in shooting. And, and a lot of that, I guess, was down to social media because now the reaction time is so much quicker. With, with these avenues. Exactly. No, good point. So I know people from who I've been speaking to, they often complain, you know, whinging and whining, you know, that they say the SSAA, you know, isn't doing enough or the, or the other pro hunting organisations aren't doing enough for the sport. But yeah, a lot of these people lack any real get up and go themselves. They're often just complaining over the internet. So what can, what can hunters and shooters do to move the sport forward? But what, also, what is the SSAA doing you know, as of now, let's just say hunters and shooters don't know much about the SSAA. They see the large membership base. They're not seeing any, say, media or PR releases because they're not on the websites. You know, what are the SSAA doing? What is the future plans for the SSAA? And also what can shooters do to get off their butts and, and, and start, you know, pushing the sport forward because numbers make up results. So, what? yeah, give me a bit more details if you could, please. Look, Jason, the best way for any of us... Um to get more people involved in our sport is to make it easier for people to get involved and make it easier for them to find out what's happening. Um, and again, back to the social media, the website, um, getting more of a, a reputation out in the media, etc., increasing the exposure of our sport. Down on a, on, a, on a branch level, our branches are incredibly proactive. They have open days. We've got tri-shooting activities. They run safety courses. Um, just to try and get more people involved, just to come and try it. Um, and if you like it, you know, then then we have we set up systems whereby you know you've you've got um, I guess mentors or um, you know people that can help um, help people get into the sport. Um, just recently, our Tari Wingham branch had an open day, and they had 160 people um, come along. It was a very very successful successful day. Um, the introduction of the P650 has been fantastic in enable, enabling this, you know, try shooting type um, act activities, and that's how you get people hooked by getting them to come in, have a go. They see how much fun it is, and they also understand how safe it is and how important safety is to our sport. Um, and one of the unique things about shooting sports is people are so eager and keen to get other people involved and. Uh, like I've been at the range where people fall over themselves to help um, and mentor and nurture people that show an interest in becoming involved in the sport. And I think that is something really unique to our sport. Exactly. You know, I agree that the, the try shooting has probably been one of the best things that's happened 
you know, and the last probably, you know, uh, how long has that been going now? Probably for four or five years now? I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. But I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to people being able to, you know, come down, you know, try the sport. And then a lot of, some people I've had have tried the sport and, and just love it. But, you know, probably the only people that don't agree with that probably would be the Greens and that. They're always trying to, you know, t- take, especially that P650 way and believe people shouldn't be, you know, using firearms without a license. So I think that's one of the best things we've done for quite some time. Definitely, that was an initiative introduced by the late Roy Smith um, through the Shooters and Fishing Party. That was that was, uh, it's, and it's recognised within shooting, the shooting sports field, that it, it was a, a fantastic initiative. Absolutely. So often, you know, the anti-gun lobby, you know, the Coalition for Gun Control, the Greens, uh, refer to shooters often becoming, say, like our American counterparts. Why is it, do you think, that New Zealand and Canada? have sensible firearms laws and Australia doesn't. Obviously, you'd be aware Canada are going through the process and it's gone through majority of their, um, you know, uh, parliamentary there, uh, abolishing their, uh, you know, their basically their um, firearms registry because they believe it's never once in its, in its inception ever saved the Canadian life. And New Zealand got rid of their uh, firearms registry back in the middle 80s and still have access to, you know, as I said, semi-automatic shotguns, pump-action shotguns, uh, rimfire, semi-automatics as well. So why is Australia, do we think, so different than, you know, especially New Zealand just being across the pond and, you know, the Western civilised country of Canada obviously realising too that um, these things just do not work? Look, the analogy to, you know, American gun culture is often dragged out in the media by the Greens, etc., to try and justify, um, I guess, their argument. Look, we as shooters know that this is a total myth, and we've got some of the strictest laws in the world, as you've just alluded to. Um, look, SSAA New South Wales, as I've said earlier on, look, we're committed um, to working with the government and advocating for much more effective laws that, that target, target criminals and the illegal gun crime um, because we as law-abiding firearms owners, we already have to jump through so many hoops. So do we have uh, an estimated costing of, say, um, from, from you know, what you would know if the firearms, what, you know, what the registry is costing the taxpayer annually? Uh, you know, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of money since 1996, the buybacks in 96 and 2002, uh, having to regulate licences, permits to acquire. I mean, obviously we know that the criminals aren't putting in permits to acquire to acquire their firearms. So what sort of uh, figure or estimation do we have uh, from your experience that this big black hole of, of uh, wasted funds from the taxpayer that could be going to education, medical, etc., what's it costing the uh, New South Wales and Australian taxpayer each year, roughly? Yeah, look, look, I don't have access to those figures at all. But what we, we believe that they should be um, putting more resources into frontline policing to address the illegal gun crimes and also into customs to help with the illegal implication, implication of firearms. Yep. Do you believe that the firearms registry um, positively combats uh, firearms crime in New South Wales? I think firearms registry is the operational arm. I guess they're, they're, it's my understanding that they're there to implement the laws and the regulations. Okay. So, okay. Does the, does the SSAA have any links uh, with any overseas organisations? We're just talking about America, such as the NRA, or any 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 other countries, New Zealand, Canada, Europe, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Look, um, with SSAA, with the national organisation, they do have they do have links with overseas bodies. Um, including the NRA, uh, but national, national, WSLA National would be the one that would best be able to give you information on all of that. All right, fantastic. All right, we've got just a couple more questions until we finish off. So let's say, Diana, um, I've got a friend. He wants to, you know, learn shooting. He wants to come and join a club. He, who, ha, how does he go about getting a firearms license? You know, who would he need to contact? And how can he complete his uh, firearms safety course so he can become one of the licensed law-abiding uh, shooters and, and, or hunters in the sport today? Well, you know, the, uh, the best opportunity for those people that are interested right at this moment is to come along to Shot Expo because they can do all of that. They can find out about all the different areas of shooting and hunting. They can sit their um, safe handling course. They can talk to Firearms Registry about getting their licence um, and everything that comes with it as far as uh, permit to acquire, safe storage, 
um, transport of firearms, etc. Um, and they can have a look around at all all the different disciplines um, and all the different activities that you can get involved in with hunting. So I guess first and foremost, I'd promote anyone um, that's interested to come along to the Shot Expo. Um, in, and as a general rule, if people are interested, they should get in contact with SSAA New South Wales, of course. They can do that. They can visit our website. They can follow us on Facebook and Twitter if they want to keep up to date with, with what's going on. Um, they can even give us a call here at the New South Wales office. Um, as we've discussed earlier in our conversation, um, a lot of our branches do try shooting and the safety awareness courses. So we can give them information or they can find information on our website about branches that are in their area and activities that are going to happen within their area. Um, and I guess any non-shooters that want any information whatsoever, look, we really encourage them, give us a call and we've got people here that are only too happy to help them. Yep, no, fantastic. So, all right, that probably finishes off probably my interview here. But, uh, yeah, the, if the listeners, if you want to get oh, this this podcast is probably going to be released uh, before uh, the SHOT Show becomes uh, available uh, in June. So, you know, if there's any listeners out there that want to get out to, you know, the SHOT Show. Sorry, Donna, where can they purchase tickets from? They go on the website? No, the t- tickets, you, you pay for them at the door. So you just rock up and you can buy your tickets at the door and I'll, I'll give you the dates again. It's the 16th and 17th of June. Yep. And it's at the showground. It's Hall, hall 4 at the showground um, at Homebush. Is that where they originally had it in 2010 or has it moved? We had it there in 2010, yes. But uh, but it's uh, we've got an extra 50% floor space to what we had at 2010. It's grown incredibly. Absolutely. So if the listeners want to get out there, they want to rub shoulders with um, you know all different walks of life and people in the hunting and shooting community. They want to learn how to you know caping. They want to learn. Um, they want to try shooting. They want to join the game council. They want to do all that good stuff. Definitely. Uh, head out there and uh, I'll be there myself so you can look for the guy with the uh, most likely I'll have my Australian hunting podcast t-shirt on so if you see me floating around there somewhere all your listeners can come up and say hello you can check out the double SAA game council so fantastic that's 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 a pretty good thing we've got going there so I guess um, thanks for coming on the show uh, Don I really appreciate your time and being able to uh, uh, chat to me today talk to my listeners get the word out there on hunting and shooting and also at least maybe set you know, a few people that might be, you know, maybe a little bit disheartened by the double SAA, feel like they're not getting either A, their value for money, or B, you know, not feeling, you know, a, a large organisation is representing shooters' rights. So hopefully they can listen to this podcast and say, well, you know, and be a bit more informed, you know, before, you know, they either, you know, make statements or, you know, open their mouths about what maybe they, what they don't know about. So, you know, uh, fantastic coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And, uh, um, you know, you, will you be at the shot show yourself, or I, I definitely will be there. That's yep. all right. I and might I'll, come up and say hello if you see this. That'd, that'd be great. And look, thanks for the opportunity to have a chat with you today. And I guess if if I can just in closing say, if anyone's got any questions, queries about becoming a shooter, being involved with Double SAA, or even just about what Double SAA is doing, if they're an existing member, look, I really encourage them to give us a call, send us an email or visit the website, etc. Um, we're only too happy to help. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Don't appreciate it. And I'll, I'll catch up with you and maybe Tim and whoever else is going to be there at the SHOT Show. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot, Jason. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.